welcome to another inspirational podcast from Abundant Life Church, where we believe that God is a good God. He loves you and he wants to bless you. Now join us as we dive into today's message. Now, I want to take you to something today because this year God spoke to us with the word of the Lord that this is the year for greater. And uh, contrary to what Pastor said, uh, uh, Pastor Facey said, uh, it was a word of the Lord he gave to us back last October for our church. So I'm glad that you came along beside us. <clears throat> anyway, <laughs> I'm joking. Nothing new under the sun. God speaks to people all over, right? But when the Lord spoke to us, he, he spoke to us very clearly about what this year was going to be. The first quarter was going to be position. And I want us to kind of get that in our spirit before I drop a, I'm just going to drop a thought into your heart today. But the first year was positioning. How many understands that you've got to get in position before you can really do what you need to do? You know, the, the biggest problem we have in the world today is that people are working jobs they're not happy with, so they're never in the position they should be in so they can be what God called them to be. We've got to begin to think about what is our gifts, what is our talents, what makes our baby jump, what makes us excited in life. Am I doing those things? When I go to work, can I can hardly wait to get there? Or do you go to work going, my God, I got another week? It has to be exciting for you. And if it's not, then you better find the place that you, you can get excited about. Because position settles, sets everything into place. You know, it, it, it's amazing. I, 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 I laugh sometimes you're talking about the school they were talking about them this morning but you know where my office was over there I'd, I'd look out every so often and we'd find a little group coming by I guess they were the four year olds or something like that and they're all on a rope <laughs> and they're all in a straight line you know why because the rope kept them in position oh come on stay with me folks see sometimes we need to have some discipline in our lives so we can stay in position amen Apostle Paul says, tear down imaginations. He says, bring your body into subjection. Yes, it's important that we understand that this first quarter was position. But now we move to the second quarter, which deals with transition. Let's go to the scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18. We put that up on the screen, please. But we all with an unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Now look it says, but we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror reflection the glory of the Lord. We're reflecting the glory of the Lord are being transformed and I'll talk about that word in a minute but transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as by the same Spirit of the Lord. The translation, another translation says, in the same glory coming from the Lord, who is that Spirit, transforms us into His likeness in an even greater degree of glory. In other words, that we're just not going to reflect Him, but as Jesus said to the disciples, you're going to do greater things than I because I went to the Father for you. We should have a greater reflection of the kingdom of God than even Jesus did. I know that goes against a lot of traditional thinking, but read the scripture. And he talks about that we're to move into a greater glory. In other words, we have the, the open door for us to step into a glory that Jesus during his ministry for three years on earth never stepped into. Well, some of you are quiet all of a sudden. Well, I don't know about you, but that excites me. That the more that I move into this, and this year is that year that we're going to move into a greater 
glory. But you've got to position yourself so that you can now transition. Be tra- you, you're going to be uh, moved from one, if you will, mode of, of position to another. You're not going to remain the same. When you transition, you can't use the old stuff. I said, when you transition, you can't use the old stuff. And that's been the problem with the church. That's been the problem with with Christianity for all of these years is we think if we keep doing the same thing over and over and over, we're going to become more like Jesus. No, we're not. We just become more like our grandfathers. Because we're supposed to move from glory to glory. We're supposed to transition from one place in, in our identity to another place. So we, we've got to understand we're in that season and we've got to talk about what is it going to take to transition us. We know that when we, any man being Christ, he's a new creation. All the old things pass away and all things become new. What does that mean? All the old things pass away. It means you've got to think differently. You've got to talk differently. You've got to live your life on a different level than you did before. See, I'm, I'm a firm believer that when I, when I read the Scripture and, and read what God has, has, has told us is that God never intended for any of us to be failures. No man, woman that was ever coming to this world was ever brought to this world to God said, you know what, I want to bring this and I want to use him as a failure so I can teach people. God never teaches you by failure. He will use failure for you to learn from, but it can teach you without failure. <laughs> oh my. When we say crazy stuff like, I never knew God could do that if I hadn't had a problem. If I never had a problem, I never knew God. Well, read your Bible. I don't have to have a problem finding out that God is a good God. I don't have to have a problem to find out that by his stripes I'm healed. I don't have to have, read, read my Bible to find out if God be for me who can be against me. I don't have to have a, a, a problem to find out that Jesus came that I might have life and have it more abundantly. I don't have to have a problem that my, my fight is not against flesh and blood but against uh, principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. I don't have to have a problem to find out that greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. But what we've done in the church is we try to tell people problems are your, is your entryway into walking with God. Hmm. That's not what the Bible teaches. That's what tradition teaches. So when we talk about transition, can we transition out of the old to the new this year? Can we make a move that say whatever happened last year means nothing for this year? Can we make a decision that when I get up in the morning, what happened on Sunday is not going to affect my Monday? Let's not let circumstance control us. Let's let the Word of God control us. Let's let the Spirit of God control us. Because i got news for you. We're all going to go through some storms, but we don't have to allow the storms to control us. Amen? Amen. I, you know, because you live in a world that you, the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy. So he's going to come after you. So how do I defeat the enemy? How do I come against him? Well, over in the book of Philippians, we see something here in Philippians chapter 3. And, and we look over in, in verse 13, if we would put that up, please. It says, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. How many knows this is pretty hard? I said, how many knows this is pretty hard? Somebody did me wrong song. I'll never forget you. I'll never, no, learn from it. But just don't keep bringing it up. See, the thing is this. The moment I allow the past to control my decision of today, I don't have a future. Let me say that again. The moment I allow the past to control control my decision of today, I do not have a future. 
What I've done is I've gone back into the past. I've not transitioned, but I've left my position in the old state of being. Now, it's important to understand something. He says this. He says, I forget those things which are behind, and I reach forward to those things which are ahead of me. I reach forward to those things which are ahead of me. As we look at this passage, I, I want you to begin to get something in, in, in your mindset and in your spirit. Is that God does not want me to remain the same. The only one that stays the same yesterday, today, and forever is God, not you. Because we do not know what we shall be like, but we shall be like him when he shall appear. Well, look at a person next to you and say, I don't think you're there yet. Come on, stay with me. <laughs> I don't care how good you look, you're not there yet. Because he's coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle. That's the church that's reflecting him. Amen. So we're working towards something together. And we want to know how we can move into those transitions. We go over to the book of Philippians chapter uh, 4, still remaining there. Let's look, start in verse 10, and we'll read verse 10 through 13. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again, though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Next verse. Not that I speak in regard to need. I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. Hold that right there. Now, what we've done in the church is that we've told people to be content with what you have. That's not what that verse says. That's what the English definition of content is, satisfy. But the satisfaction here in the original Greek doesn't even talk about that. It talked about being satisfied with your relationship with God, not with your circumstance. In fact, Weiss, the theologian, in one of his commentaries, he writes this. He says, you have to be dependent upon the Holy Spirit, which makes you independent of the outward circumstance. My contentment is in the power of the Holy Spirit, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. So I am satisfied with the Holy Spirit in me, which makes me independent of the outward circumstance. The Apostle Paul says, I'm not controlled by my outward circumstance. And, and we're going to see that as we go to the next, the next few verses. Let's go to 12. I know how to be abased. See, when you understand content, then you know what he's saying here. I know how to be abased or humbled, and I know how to abound. Oh, that, hold that right there for a moment. Because most people in the church do not know how to walk in prosperity. We know how to walk in poverty. We know how to walk in lack. We know how to walk in need. But man, when you start getting blessed, be careful. Isn't that funny how we do to people like that? You're getting so blessed and you're getting so far ahead and you're getting so rich, you better be careful. Money's not evil. It's the love of money that's evil. Money's a tool. Just use it. Don't let it use you. Don't do anything for money that make money do everything for you. You stand with me on this? Now, listen to what he says. I know how to be humble. I know how to be without. I know how, and, and I know how, why? Because my dependency is not upon my circumstance. I've learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Not some things. Oh. Well, I don't know if I can do that. Well, I, I, you better go back and examine your Bible. 
If God has called you, that's the reason I, what I love when pastors sit up here. He didn't buy this property in, in school and, and, and it were all that comes with it because he just felt like that's what I want to do. I'm an educator. He bought it because God told him to buy it. So therefore, he can do all things through Christ who strengthens him. He didn't say he has the wisdom to do it all. It says Christ is going to give him. Jesus has made unto us wisdom. He's going to give him the wisdom to do this. When my dad came to this, this Margate, he started with 11 people. 11 people. Look around. And you think this is it? This is not it. We built 29 other churches. You think this is it, but it's not. We, we've been over in, in over 18 different countries. Hello. Here's people you don't even know that you haven't even seen that this church is raised up. And he started with 11 people. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen. So don't get hung up with how, oh, look at all this. Who cares what this is? God's, if God said it, you can do it. Amen. So he's saying, I can do all things that Christ has strengthens me. Now let's look at something a minute. I, I want to take you over to Hebrews for a moment, chapter 13. I, I just a quick study, just for a quick second, because I want to talk about that word content a minute as we get, get into the, our, our final thought of today. But in chapter 13, I want, you, I want you to begin to realize that as we look at this passage of Scripture, he talks about brotherly love. He talks about uh, to forget, do not forget to entertain the strangers. He says be sure and take care of those people that are, that are incarcerated, that have been mistreated. He says you take care of them. He says marriage is honorable. Boy, he's covering everything. But look at verse 5. Let's pull up verse 5. Let your conduct, your manner of life, be without covetousness. Now, the original text does not use that word. That is the translators who use that word. The original text says, let it be without the love of money, the love of silver, exactly what it says, without the love of silver. In other words, your motivation cannot be money. Again, I said money's your tool. You use it. Don't let it use you. And he says, let your, your conduct, your manner of life be without the love of money or silver. Be content. There's that word content again. Be independent of outward circumstances based upon the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Sure, you're going to have tough times. But count it all joy when you fall into divers, temptations, tests, and trials. Knowing that the trying of your faith work of patience. And patience, when it is entire and when it endures, it is entire and it leaves you wanting nothing. We never talk about that. You ever been in a position you didn't want anything? Quiet church. I didn't get one single amen. You know why? Because none of you have been in that position yet. But we're supposed to head towards that as we transition. We're not moved by wants. I said I'm not moved by wants. We should know that when raising children. They want everything. But they're not ready for it. How many know sometimes you really come and go, it's not that I don't want to give it to you. You just aren't mature enough to handle it yet. Amen? I learned that when my kids turned 16. My dad said my, about my daughter, he said, I was going to get her an old car. She turned 16 learned to drive because I knew she was going to bang it up. So you got great confidence. You got to know my daughter. My dad says, you're not going to do that. He says, we're going to get her a new car. I'll pay half. You pay what you're going to pay, and I'll pay the difference. You're going to give her a new car. So I got her a brand-new Mustang. In the first month, she wrecked it. Three months later, she had another wreck. Then I get a call one day, and she says, she's on the phone. She's screaming. She says, I killed somebody. I killed somebody. I get over there. 
There was a problem. She didn't kill anybody. But there was a wreck, and the lady's car had turned over. And now I won't go through all the detail of it. And so I walk up to the policeman there, and Heather's going, oh, I got you. And the cop looked at me. He says, you need to tell your daughter to shut up. He says, because I'm going to have to start writing this stuff down. And he says, I've looked at this whole thing, and it really wasn't her fault, even though she's going to get a ticket because she hit from behind, but it was the person in front of her because she had a cigarette in one hand and an orange in the other hand, and she was driving this way. But she wasn't ready for a new car. Some of you aren't ready for your new car. Come on, look at the person next to you and smile and say, maybe you're not ready for what God has for you. Transition has to take place before you're ready. Oh, come on, folks. We hate transition, don't we? We don't, it's uncomfortable. But let me say something to you. If it's comfortable, there's not transition. Come on. It's not easy, folks. But if we're willing to make the transition and get out of our comfort zone, God's about to take you to a place that you have never even seen. Eye hath not seen, ear hath not heard, or into the heart of man the things God has prepared for them. It's a transitional period of time. Be content. Be independent with such things you have. For he himself said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I love that passage. One translation says it this way, and I love this. God himself said, I will not in any way fail you, nor give you, give up on you, leave you without support. I will not, I will not, I will not let you down in any degree, leave you helpless, nor forsaken. I will not let you down. I will not let you down. I will not let you down. And I will not delay or hold up on your blessing. I love this. I love the part where he says, I will never leave thee and I will never forsake you. He says, I will not, I will not. Three times. In the original text, it's mentioned three times. I will not, I will not, I will not leave you nor forsake you. I will not, I will not, I will not leave you, and I will not, I will not, I will not let you down. Get that in your spirit. See, when we're really to move into transition, God's telling us something here. He says, now your dependence is upon me, not upon anything else. Get it straight. This thing about transition is learning how to depend on me and not your ability. Now, I'll use your ability, but I can take your ability to a place you can't take it. You begin to realize he's your source in all of those things. Now go back to the book of Philippians chapter 4. Because I want to talk about this, this transition thing. In Philippians chapter 4, we want to look over here in verse 14 through 19. Let's pick it up there, 14. Philippians chapter 4, verse 14. Wait for it to come up on the screen. Nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. Now, let let me take for a moment. Let me kind of give you a history lesson real quick. The Apostle Paul had started the church in A.D. 51. It's been 10 years since that time. He now is incarcerated in, in Rome and he's in the jail. During that period of time, the Apostle Paul, he was a tent maker. He financed his ministry because he did not want them, even though he told them to give to people double who labor in the word of God, you should take care of them double. He himself, because he taught, I'm going to mess some of you up, he taught prosperity, which really goes against all theologians in the world. But when you understand Paul's life, he taught prosperity. 
well, I don't believe that. We go over and read Second Corinthians where he talks about that, that by the grace of God that he took on poverty that you, that you might become rich. We're going to come back to Corinthians in a moment and say a little more about what he's saying about that. But the Apostle Paul is in jail, and, and, and now the, the Philippians are, are, are sending offerings to him. Now, before he would not take any offerings because he had the, the, the ability to make tents, and he worked it that way, and he supported himself that way. But now he's in a place that he can't do that. He, he's in jail. And so they find out about it, and they, they send him an offering. But I want you to get a hold of this thing. Let's go to the next verse, 15. Now, you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. Ooh. Mm. Got a problem now. When's the last time you heard a preacher stand in the pulpit and thank you for partnering with us in giving and receiving? People who preach against being blessed will tell you to send them an offering lest they go off the air. They'll send the need to you and say, we've got this need if you could just sow a seed. I think if everybody could give $1,000, we could, we could pay for this building program. If everybody would, would give $500, we could put in a new sound system. If everybody could give $100, we could do this for our missions. It's all need-oriented. It's never about what you receive. Get it? No one communicated with me. And when I first began this ministry, there was no other church that understood what I'm teaching or even understood what Jesus taught or even understands what God has given us in the area of giving and receiving. Look at somebody and say, it's okay to receive. That'll mess up a few people today. Next verse, 16. For even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Wow. Paul said, I'm independent of need. I've been paying my way. But you saw that you wanted to partner with me, so you sent because you said, it's necessary that I send you this offering. Oh, next verse. Not that I seek the gift. I didn't ask you to send me a dime. But I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Next verse. Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from the Epaphroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, and a sensible sacrifice, well pleasing to God. He said, listen, what you've sent to me is more than I could even comprehend. I don't need anything. First off, I learned how to, how to be independent of need, and now I've learned how to be independent of prosperity, but I'm telling you, what you've sent to me now is over and above. Next verse. And my God shall supply all of your needs. Oh, we're going to mess you up now. According to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And my God shall supply all of your needs. We supply all of your necessities. According to his riches. The word riches in the original text is wealth, possession, and abundance. I, he's going to meet your necessities not according to where you are, but according to where he is. 
And where he is, he said, what you're going to have your needs met by, your necessities met by, is by my wealth, by my possessions, and by my abundance. Well, we get a type and shadow of that with the, when the wise men came to Jesus and they came brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And, you know, we say, we three wise men. Y'all know the story about that. You hear me talk about it all the time, and my family laughs at me, but it's true. You go to any church at Christmas time, well, they got, they got a black man, they got an oriental man, they got a white man, and they all act like three kings. First off, they weren't three kings. First off, they were nomaded people. They were wise men, and they traveled in bunches of four to 500 in a group, not counting women, children, and all the other stuff that went with them. So you got Jesus, by the way, who didn't come to a manger and give him this stuff. They came to his house. Read the book of Matthew. They came to his house as a little boy. They came to his house, and there they worship him as the star set over it, and they opened their treasures. Now, I don't know about you, but if you come to my house, 500 people come to my house with gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and myrrh coming out of your treasures, which is the most expensive things of the time, and you laid them on my front doorstep. I think I'm pretty off, pretty doing pretty good. So I said, well, you know, Jesus, you know, he, you know, he didn't have a house. He had a house. He just didn't live in it. He chose to go out and minister. It was a choice because he knew how to be independent like Paul was learning to be independent. Oh, by the way, where did he get a seamless road? The most expensive, it's like going down and buying a $5,000 suit. They gambled for a seamless robe. And on top of that, who in their mind that is broke has a treasurer? That's not the message, but you understand. So when he talked about supplying your needs according to his riches, get it straight. He's not giving to you out of his needs because he has no needs. The apostle Paul is not talking about his needs because he has no needs. The problem here is that we in the church have become so need-oriented, we take the scripture out of context and talk about my need, my need, my God is a pile of my needs. No, you don't qualify. You can't qualify. What makes you qualify for God to do that? Number one, from the very beginning, they participated with the understanding, if I give, I'm going to receive. Qualify. Number two, they were willing to give even though they were being persecuted. They were willing to give. The church was, and, he, and here's what we got church history. Where they were being persecuted and they really didn't have much to give and we said all the history. <sighs> Philippi was a Roman place that they put together that they retired people to and things of that nature, but it was surrounded by gold mines. There was all kind of money in the city. We're so poorly minded. They, they, listen, they, 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 and they were persecuted for being Christians. There were very few Jews there. And I don't have time to get into Acts and all of that and the history of it. But the point what I'm getting at is the Apostle Paul saying, listen, you, you saw me in ministry and you said, I want to get into that. I want to be a part of that. I want to, I want, I want to be involved with you in this area. So we're going to give to you because we know because they come from a city that they understood wealth. So if we give to you, we know there's a harvest. We know if we go dig the mines, we're going to find gold, and we're going to, we're going to be harvested. We in the church, we go, oh, I didn't do it for anything. Are you crazy? Why are you doing it? Everything you do should be to produce a harvest. Everything in your life should be sowing a seed that will produce some result. If not, don't do it. Don't squander your seed. Hmm. Everything in life. 
is to produce and reproduce. Everything produces after its own kind. And the Apostle Paul said, let me tell you something. Here's what you need to understand. My God's going to supply your needs according to his riches and glory. Why? why? Because his riches and glory supersedes needs. God help me here. His, his riches and glory says when you enter into this and you've qualified by being a giver to give and receive, when you've qualified by giving this for the sake of the gospel, when you qualified because you know that even though I was a tent maker, you still gave to me, so now that I am in jail, you still are sending to me. I'm in jail. There's no way in the, in the natural sense of the word I can do anything for you other than write your letter and thank you. That you know that I'm winning souls, therefore what you sent to me is going to be credited to your account. You are participating in my ministry that every soul to get saved is credited to your account. Therefore, because you qualified, my God is not just going to meet your need or necessity. He's going to take his riches and eradicate your need. Oh, church, it's time we got out of need orientation. It's time we made transition to the receiving side of things. I'm going to close with this. Go to 2 Corinthians. Are y'all getting anything out of this today? Huh? A little insight? Well, pastor, I don't know. Okay. We look over at 2 Corinthians. We'll go in chapter 9. Let's start in verse 6. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Well, you're doing it just to get. No, you don't understand. There's a principle. I said there's a principle. If you do certain things, certain let me help you with that. You go on, a, on, on, on the highway... When we're going to be going up to West Virginia to Brother Ted Shuttlesworth's camp meeting here in a couple of weeks preaching there. And, uh, man, it's, a, it's up. It's in the mountains. But when you go to the church where he has his camp meeting, you, gotta, you really do some what I call back roads. Well, when you go down these roads, they got these signs about curves. If you'll pay attention to the signs and do what the signs are telling you, the curves can't hurt you. But if you ignore the signs and do what you want to, you're going to get killed. Oh, come on. See, it's how you respond. But when you respond, it's going to produce a result. Oh, let me help you. When you came in, you came in, and I see that all of you are sitting down. You know why? Because you knew that chair was designed to hold you. So when you sat down, the response is you don't fall on the floor. So you did not do something for nothing. But we go into church and say, oh, I don't want it. You're a liar. Everything you do in life is about what you're going to get. We educate them. Why? Because we want them to have a greater life. We want them to, be, to grow. We want them spiritually and mentally and emotionally and educationally. We want it. Why? We want a better life, right? We go to work because we want a paycheck. 
We want to pay, we want to cover our family. We want to be a feed our, our kids, take care of everyone. Amen. Well, you, you didn't come to church today because you didn't want anything. You come to hear what I had to say. If there's anything you can use. But yeah, when it comes to God, whenever, whenever I give of my time, my talent, and energy, my money, I don't want anything. It's so spiritual. That's spiritual. I don't want anything. Oh, kumbaya. And God's up there going, what? What is wrong with you? Why didn't you understand? I gave my son so I could have a family. I don't do anything without a, a return. Amen? So he says, you decide how you're going to operate. Next verse, 7. So let each one give as he's purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or necessity, for God loves, God loves a cheerful giver. In other words, you decide what you're going to give. Don't do something that you later on regret. Do what makes you happy. You know what I'm saying? I, I'll be honest with you. There's sometimes, there, there, there are times that, and I'll be places and I'll feel like, I'll, I'll turn to my wife, she knows this. I'll turn and go, listen, I need to go over and talk to these I just feel like I need to talk to them. There's other times I don't even talk to anybody. Why? Because there are times I know in my heart, this is what I need to do. I want to do this. Amen? There are times I give up my time, my talent, my energy, as well as my money. But it's based upon what I decide to do, not because somebody told me I had to do it. It's personal. Next verse. And God is able to make all grace. I'm not getting to that. We've taught on that. You've got the series, Empowering Presence of God, upon your life to perform what God has called you to perform and abound towards you that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have abundance for every good work. Now, I don't want to go through explaining every one of those words according to the original text. I'm just saying this. He said you're going to have enough money to do whatever you need to do. You're going to have enough talent, enough energy, enough time to do in abundance if you're willing to do it. You're not going to have any lack there. Well, I don't have the time. Did God call you to do it? Give of your time and watch what God will do with it. It's funny, isn't it? You've heard me tell this for years in this church. How can you come to this church and be a teacher during the week and won't get involved in children's ministry? Won't get involved in the classes and teach? Well, I teach all week long. Okay, so you use your, your gift that God gave you so you can make a living and you can take care of the world, but you won't come to your own place where God is operating and cause his kingdom to be expanded. Yeah, I can see you got your priorities straight. Same thing with music, singers. You don't sing because you get paid. You don't play because you get paid in the church. You give your talent there so God will bless you in the world system. Let the world pay you. Don't make the church pay you. I know that messes people up. Well, you know. No, you've got to hire certain people for certain positions, and, and we all should do that. There's nothing wrong with that. But what I'm saying, though, if you're playing once a month, come on. But we get caught up with that because that's the world system. We've got to learn that. We've got to take our time, our talent, our energy. How are you going to sow that? I'm not telling you not to get paid. I'm not telling you. To, all that is good. But what I'm saying, when it comes to the kingdom of God, you better examine yourself. I, listen, I go out and speak around the world. God has blessed me. And he's opened doors. And, and God has allowed me to receive incredible blessings and honorariums. There are some churches I go to and I say, just keep it. Say, so why would you do that? Because I know they need it more than me. I know they need it more than me. There's one church that we spoke at several times. Reese is aware of it. I've, I've been there twice. 
The offerings were so big, they were huge. I left $87,000 in the church. Because I knew if I took the offering, which was 87000 between the two offerings, it would have broke the church. Am I out of my mind? I sowed it, but you know what God has done? He's opened up so many other doors for me. In so many other ways I've been blessed, it's almost frightening. It's almost frightening. So you choose. You choose how you're going to do this. But you do it with the idea, what is coming back at my life? Next verse, 9. As it is written, he has dispersed abroad, he's given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Next verse, verse 10. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supplies and multiplies the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Number one, understand every seed that you have to sow of your time, your talent, your energy, or your finance comes from God. They come from you. Well, I work for that. Well, God gave you the ability to work for that. Amen? Let's get it straight. God gives seed to the sower. But here's the thing. He gives seed to the sower, then he gives food. Why? Because when you sow, there's a season before harvest. So God sustains you with food until your harvest comes in. I sowed a seed. And and this amazes me. People give me, you know, I sowed a seed and somebody came to me and said, God spoke to me and they gave me $1,000. That paid for my rent this month. Oh, thank. That's not your harvest. That's your food. God doesn't want you to have to pay $1,000 a month of rent every month. He wants you to own your home and owe nobody nothing but love. If he's going to meet your need according to his riches, he's got to get you out of debt. So quit treating, quit leaving your harvest in the field by treating what you've done because you've got a moment, a favor that all of a sudden you think, that's not your harvest. Your harvest is not there. The harvest is there so it will eradicate the need because that's who God is. God is not need motivated. He's seed motivated. He'll supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Next verse, 11. While you are enriched in everything for all generosity or liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. Did y'all get this enriched in everything? Everybody say everything. Does it say enriched in money? But let me say this. Does it say not money? Everybody say everything. Everybody say time, talent, energy, favor, money, influence, authority. I'm enriched in everything. See, God during this season of this quarter is transitioning us to where we're enriched in everything we do so the world will know that Jesus is Lord. They can see the glory of God as we now are growing greater. How do I grow greater in that glory? I make sure my transition is in place. When we read the book of Philippians, it's a story how we can operate in supernatural success, overcoming power, 
be independent of what's going on around about us because we're dependent upon the Holy Spirit knowing that God is by his riches going to supply everything we need not according to man's idea but according to his I kind of like God's give it'll be given back to you pressed down shaken together running over good measure I kind of like that I like the idea of pressed down shaken together running over when's the last time you walked around with stuff falling off of you when's the last time you walked in the room and they go my God who is that how can that be how would you like to see some of your old friends and they go what happened to you oh just God I, I made a transition I got out of position and moved into transition Thank you for listening. We trust that what you heard today has encouraged you to live the abundant life. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on our website, AbundantLife.tv, or follow us on Instagram at AbundantLife underscore TV and Facebook at Come to Life. And remember, God is a good God. He loves you and he wants to bless you.